absolutely delighted to have the opportunity to have a chat with Conquer Divide, uh, a band that I discovered yeah, only a few months ago now. It was the collaboration with Electric Cowboy that put them uh, on my radar. And I'm really excited to have the chance to talk to Sam, the drummer especially. As a drummer myself, I have some questions and things I'd love to dig into. Um, so thank you very much for being here and spending the time. Now, I understand you've just finished quite a serious tour of you know, North America with the very hilarious but also genuinely great band that is Electric Cowboy. I wonder, now that that has come to pass, what would you say was the lasting memories and how do you summarize what would be quite a mad experience, I imagine? Honestly, and I hate to just like pass the torch to someone else, but if, if you watch the video that Tank the Tech did, summing up how the tour went, that summarizes it perfectly. I could not have said it any better than he did. Um, first of all, Tank was, is an amazing TM, so organized, so on top of things. Like, he's just like, you, you just have to have a certain kind of personality, not just being organized, but just being like, I'm not going to take shit from anybody. Like, I'm going to make sure that everyone gets what they need, you know, and he just was amazing. And that's just us, you know, being kind of adjacent, you know, to working with him. I mean, I, I, I hit the relationship he had with Electric Cowboy is amazing. Um, and then just the whole tour was incredible. The bands were awesome. We love everybody in all of the bands. So we toured with Electric Cowboy and Solens from Sweden. Um, all those guys are amazing people. You know, they're like our brothers. Um, we just absolutely love them. And everyone got along really well. And it was just like a big supportive family, like genuinely. Everyone trying to help each other. Um, always supporting each other. There was so much respect and like understanding and like genuine care between the bands. Um, the crew as well, Electric Cowboys crew is, they're just the best people as well. Everyone is so good at their jobs and they're nice. Like you don't need to be a dick to make it in the industry. And everyone always says that like, oh yeah, you know, you just gotta like be kind of a whatever POS, but it's not, it's not true, first of all. Uh, and it's just so nice to see like a band assemble a team of, of like-minded professionals and everyone is just so awesome. So we had an incredible time uh, and the fans were great and very everyone was just very accepting of bringing us into the fold. That's fantastic to hear. I did see Tank's uh, summary of that uh, tour. And it's, yeah, it sounded like a total loving. Like, everyone was very caring and empathetic. And there was also some great, like, EDM music right before Electric Cowboy, which sounded kind of fun. Um, so that's, that's really nice to hear. And I, I hope that that you know, emanates and becomes the standard that everyone can experience. I don't, because the risk is, well, that was, wasn't that a great one-off? It shouldn't be that way, right? So hopefully, yes. Uh, someone actually, I've got a couple of uh, fan questions that have come in. Someone by the name of Moz um, said, uh, who, no, actually before that one, uh, The Fallen Cure, how tough was it to tour the USA for six weeks in a van? Were all of you in a van? Like the Conquer <laughs> Divide? Surely not. Conquer Divide was in a van. Uh, With bunks had... in it? Like, what are we talking about for van? Okay, so we recently had the van outfitted with a couple of bunks. We have four bunks in the back. Uh, it feels like you're in a coffin. And uh, Izzy and Janelle are on the bottom, and I just kept calling. I was just like, the Crypt Keepers, because they're the keepers of the Crypt. It's so dark down there. <laughs> um, but, and, then, uh, and then we also have um, our bench seats um, as well. And then we also had a driver uh, on this tour. So, yes, we were doing it in a van. It is not the best. But the amount of money that you save, and just be, it's just so expensive. Like, gas alone is extremely expensive. Uh, and so, you know, it, if we spend it all on, like, hotel rooms or, or um, buying onto, like, a tour bus or something like that, it just takes away from other things that we're able to afford. And because we're not you know, in a headlining sort of uh, financial situation, it's just better that we rough it for a little bit longer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sure. Makes total sense. Economically, definitely a benefit. But yeah, everything else must have been pretty tough. Especially, like you're saying, there are four bunks. There's more than four people in your band. Yes. So, so um, one member sleeps on the bench because this member is small uh, and doesn't mind. <laughs> that was that every, that was their bed every night was the bench? Yes, yes, who's yes. Who's the smallest one that got the bench? Well, it, actually, I guess technically Janelle is the smallest, but it's Kia's bench. Um, there was <laughs> okay. a, a number of reasons for, for it, but uh, the bench is, typically no one, no one sits there except for her. Sometimes there might be a second person, but so we just really make it clear that this is a bed, this is where the person is sleeping, they're leaving all their stuff, um, and also it's got like foam and stuff down on it, so it's quite comfortable. Um, so it's not just like, oh, you got to sleep on okay. the top of the seatbelts. So we, we wouldn't do that to Kia. That's good. Fair enough. Uh, did you have, I mean, 
I imagine, were you saving money on like hotel rooms as well? Were you essentially driving, would someone drive through the night and then you wake up in the next city? Was it that kind of deal? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. So um, this is the first time that we've had a driver with us because we knew we had some really long, really difficult drives and it was going to be potentially dangerous for us to be, you know, um, we had to get to the venues early. Um, you're basically spending an entire day at the venue, you're setting up, you're doing sound check, you're getting ready, you're doing interviews, whatever. Uh, and then you stay to the end of the night working merch, you got to clean everything up, and then you have to drive another six to eight hours. Like, it's really, it would be really unsafe. So we, we brought someone along who is um, the driver. So basically, he would sleep during the day when we got to the venue, and then he would be awake and driving through the night. That's a tough gig. That's a t- definitely a tough gig. Did, did, it is. Then- do you, were you able to, like, I'm not hearing any room for things like guitar techs or drum tech. Are, are you able to get some help from Electric Cowboys crew or are you doing all that yourself somehow? Like, how would you string guitars between songs? Uh, we bring extra guitars because okay. we can't, we don't have room for a guitar tech. Even if we could afford a guitar tech, we just don't have space in our vehicle. And um, we, we did not, uh, like, cross-pollinate with crew, you know, with, with our band or anything. I mean, you know, there's other tours where you can sometimes share, like a drum tech or a guitar tech or whatever. Um, we decided not to do that. Uh, we, we didn't ask. Um, we, we didn't uh, feel like we needed it for this particular tour, but it is something that we could do in the future. Nice. That sounds, that sounds good. So yeah, you're really hoping the, the guitars last throughout the set. On the there's backups. a lot of there's a lot of guitars, okay. Uh, okay, but, but we will never have as many. Probably will never have as many guitars as Attack Attack does in their live show. It was like 20 guitars, but they also have a guitar tech. So. Okay, sure. Someone to manage 20. <laughs> My God, yeah. uh, nice one. I mean, so as I said, I, I discovered your band through the collaboration with Electric Cowboy on the song Fuckboy. So. Obviously, from my perspective, it would appear that that song has helped uh, increase the scope of the awareness of your band. But is that how it's felt from the inside from yourselves? Or has it felt more like a continuous kind of growth and gradual? Or did you feel an upswing of things after that song came out? Yeah, it definitely felt like an upswing. And I think it had to do with uh, from a combination of like reaction channels and and other people in the industry um, talking about the song and you know, Electric Callboy was already on their radar, so they're like, oh, we want to we want to check this out. Who's this other band? Is this, like, some sort of, like, Avril Lavigne band? Like, what do they actually sound like outside of this one song? And so we, it was interesting uh, seeing the, the response to it. But it was a really great response, and we had a lot of people uh, commenting on our other videos saying, I found you from Electric Callboy. Oh, my God, I love it. Um, but the biggest uh, response we had from a lot of people was, I didn't know what to expect from Conquer Divide because we heard Fuckboy and we thought, well, maybe they're a pop punk band. And that's why it's kind of a pop punk song. So, you know, but then, you know, people listen to us, they listen to Electric Callboy and they're like, neither band sounds like this. They just wanted to do something fun. That was exactly my experience. When that happened, I was like, oh, I don't know who this band is, but whatever. I love Electric Callboy. Let's put this on. It's like, oh, this sounds like, you know, old school kind of blink two polished pop punk rock and some Avril in there. I was like, this is great. Let's check out Conquer Divide. And I was like, this doesn't sound pop punk at all. Wait, now there's scream vocals. Like, what is, what is going on? But I was delighted because I also love metalcore and all the rest. So, like, once, once Janelle pops in with that really, what genuinely one of my favorite scream vocal tones, I was just like, well, I'm, I'm now in. What, uh, let's follow this rabbit hole. And, and I've enjoyed that since. So I'm it, it glad was- that that's happened. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is that when they first came to us with the framework for that song, so they kind of just had the the uh, what was it? The I'd say the intro, like first verse and the first and the first part of the chorus, um, and they presented it to us, and we were not expecting that at all. Like we were expecting something that was more kind of like the electronic core kind of vibe. And so when we heard that, we're like, oh! And they were like, yeah, we're thinking we want to do kind of a throwback, Blink One Eighty Two kind of like early two thousands kind of vibe, and we were like, oh my God, this is actually pretty exciting because I know that Kristen, uh, Kristen co-wrote that song with them and she really wanted, it was kind of a cool, more rare opportunity to write in that style. She was always a fan of like Avril and, and some of those, those uh, artists. So we were, we were surprised too. Yeah, well, wow, they're genius. They're clearly. I'm wondering, how did the collaboration first come about? Did they get in touch with you? Because you, I don't. I had a quick Google. You don't seem to share a label unless I've just Googled poorly. We don't. Um, so it was just. It was. An, it, it's kind of interesting, and um, I think we put up. We recently put up. I think a TikTok or a reel um, 
with like the quick progression of how this relationship sort of happened between the two bands. Um, so I think it was, was it We Got the Moves? Uh, it was We Got the Moves, the video came out and Kristen saw it and she's like, this is amazing. And she's like showing everybody, she's like, you guys gotta see this, this is great. Like the song is great, this video is hilarious. Um, and then I think that she might've messaged Dan, like Dan Skimo, and then I think he said something like, Oh, hey, like, I know your band. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've liked your band since, you know, the first album or whatever. And so then they started talking and then it was, it turned into a, hey, you guys want to do a song together? And it's like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. And then it was, hey, do you guys want to come out to Germany and do a video for that song in like a couple weeks? And we're like, oh, we don't know a lot of passports. We're going to have to figure this out. Classic and, North American problem, Viago. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So we figured that out. We flew out to Germany. We did the song. Um, and then, yeah, and they said, uh, yeah, let's, you know, we want you to tour with us. And that's how the tour came up. And then, of course, they, you know, unfortunately had to pull out last year because of Nico's health. Um, and here we are. And now we finally did the tour with them. And yeah, everything's great. That is wild. That's so cool. And I was interested as well when I first heard it, because normally in that kind of collaboration, you expected to see Electric Cowboy featuring Kia, but it was featuring Concrete Divide, it was the full band. So I was curious how much of, and it's clear you've, you've hinted at this, but how much of that song was crafted by Concrete Divide and Electric Cowboy together, and how much, what do you do in the recording? Like, who's getting the drum performance recording, or is it like, is, is that just not part of, how, did, how does it come together sonically? Yeah, yeah. So um, technically, it features several members from Conquer Divide. It doesn't have all of us. So um, the drum track is theirs, for example. So I, I'm not I'm not on the track. Uh, Kia's vocals, of course, are on the track, uh, and Kristen's songwriting. Um, I can't speak to exactly like what percent of the song was who. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Um, Which stems but, and the rest, yeah. yeah, yeah. But so I, I actually I'm actually not I'm not sure if we contributed any guitars or anything. I, I think it was vocals primarily. Um, but Kristen was um, heavily involved in the songwriting and got, and and she sent them a bunch of ideas for a couple of other parts as well that I, where I don't think we were originally going to write that part and they loved it so much they kept it. So uh, a significant part of the song was written by Kristen and features Kia's vocals. Um, and that was another thing too. It's where it didn't really make sense to just say, you know, you could say featuring Kia, but like no one really knows who Kia is outside of like kind of our fan base. So it made more sense to say Conquer Divide and because it was written by Conquer Divide's primary songwriter. Sure, totally makes sense. And, and since listening to more of your songs, I now when I listen back to Fuckboy, which I did today, I hear the influence of the guitar work from Conquer Divide in it. I could kind of, I, follow, oh. I followed that thread back, so that was quite cool. Um, oh, we have someone else joining the call. Hey, <gasps> Kristen. And you've, you've been fighting a battle with your yeah. Google Chrome, and so you've even lost some of your face did, as a result. Yeah. <laughs> I should pause just for a moment here to mention that Kristen has a bunch of slash marks on her cheek. At the time of recording this interview was Halloween, so I'm pretty sure she just came back from trick-or-treating, and that explains the very obviously makeup uh, slashes on her cheek there. I'm not, not asking about her safety and general well-being. That is a Halloween makeup effect. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to get well, it to work welcome. on my phone, but um, my speaker is broken, so I don't know if I sound okay. Oh, don't worry, I, I will I'll figure all that out in post. I can hear you perfectly clearly, so, okay, so thank you for that. Uh, welcome. We've been chatting thus far. Uh, it's very nice that you've been able to join us as well. Uh, for those who are listening and watching, Kristen, the guitarist from Concord Defiant, has now joined uh, after fighting with Google Chrome, as I said. Um, which is, yeah, slasher. Um, yeah, we've been chatting about the, the tour that you recently went on and uh, your collaboration with Electric Cowboy. And I was actually just chatting about how much of that fuckboy song was from both sides. You know, I wasn't looking for stem counts or anything, but um, I referenced that. I, can, I was able to actually hear the guitar work from Conquer Divide later on when I went back and revisited it um, in there. Did you have, in addition to songwriting with them back and forth, did you also lay down kind of guitar tracks and things in there? Is that, uh, does that mean? So not on that song, actually. They had sent us an instrumental um, with a first verse and a first chorus idea, um, and they just kind of wanted me to riff on it uh, vocally. And, um, yeah, so I ended up sending them three chorus ideas um, along with what you hear in the second verse and two bridge ideas. And um, I was like, oh, just pick whatever you like. And they, they got back to me and they're like, we like all of it. We're going to keep all of it. <laughs> so it was pretty That's crazy. That's amazing. 
yeah, it was, it was a uh, super cool feeling. I don't know. They were like, we would have never thought of this. Um, so yeah, they were, they were stoked on it. <laughs> That's great. Well, that's the beauty of collaboration, I suppose. Like, different people have contributed different ideas. Otherwise, that song would never exist if any one yeah. person tried to write it. Yeah. Uh, they, that was yeah, very they cool. wanted to do a throwback, and uh, I was like, oh, I got this. I've been listening to Avril Lavigne, like, my whole life since I was a kid. I'm going to nail this oh, it was, song. It was absolutely <laughs> nailed. No, I love it. Similarly, I'm, a, I'm a, largely a pop-punk kid from, the, from the, my teens. And, yeah, but same, then I was same. delighted to discover that the actual heaviness that lies within Concord Divide later on when I then went through the journey of discovering um, the rest of your stuff. And I can't wait to talk about Slow Burn, the recent album, which I think is fantastic. Before I do, there's another question that came in from someone by the name of Moz, who's asking, who do you want to collaborate with most? Obviously, we've got Electric Cowboy. But if there's any artist or band or, or any genre that you think, actually, that's kind of a bucket listy thing, do you happen? I, do you have one of those top of mind? Or if you had a moment, could you think um, of one? For me, personally, probably Bring Me the Horizon. That would be... Good super shot. bucket list for us but uh i mean we also um want to collaborate with other female artists in the scene like we'd love to do something with scene queen or even mystique i don't know if you're familiar with her but um she does uh, these piano uh, synth renditions of popular metal songs and she's great i've known her probably for almost a decade now <laughs> but she's finally just taking off um so yeah we want to collaborate with more female artists as well. Nice. Sam, anything for you, top of mind? I, I always say Spirit Box. I feel like it oh, would just, yeah. you know, and, and there's, you know, our band is connected with their members and things like that. And I think it would just be, I think we have a similar fan base and I think that we could probably do something pretty cool. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Spirit Box. They're phenomenal. Um, so on to chat about the, the album Slow Burn, uh, which I think is, a, as I said, fantastic record. Um, it, I got the impression that that album's taken quite a long time to come together because when I, the, the first, you know, our tone when it came out way over a year ago, um, it was that it, did it come as a series of individual songs and you go like, actually, let's make an album out of this? Or was it just a very long release process that got the whole thing out? Yeah, it was just a long release process, and then somewhere in there, we we were on hiatus for a couple of years. So, but we we did start writing the record in 2016, um, right after the first one came out, and we just kind of chipped away at it for a long time. So the first song we actually wrote um, that's on that record was "Only Girl," um, and then I'm trying to think what what are some of the older <laughs> the OGs of that. <laughs> Uh, uh, maybe like Afterthought in like a previous yeah, iteration. Yeah, Afterthought was another uh, super OG. We uh, That song had sat for so long that we actually ended up redoing all the music under it because by the time, you know, Slow Burn was getting ready to come out, it, the production it was, was different. Kind of, kind of had like a dated feel to it. So we, we updated all of it. And um, yeah. <laughs> so ironically, yeah. that song was not an Afterthought. That was an early yeah. <laughs> incarnation. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Uh, one one song that I really stood out to me as a surprise favorite was the song Pressure. And I wonder if it's because when it started, I was like, okay, fine. I know where we are. This is like a kind of a pop rock ballad song, safe, radio friendly. Here we go. But it sort of amps up as it goes gradually and has a great punch yeah. of chorus. But the moment where it locks in is after the second chorus, it goes into a guitar riff that is just, for three and a half bars, just one chord. Like, it's just one chord and the drums lock into it. It's the simplest thing in the world, but somehow packs so much punch. How did you come to put that in that song and decide, because that song didn't need necessarily a heavy punch to it, but you, you yeah. added that ingredient. What, what led to that? Oh, gosh. I, to be honest, I, I can't remember that exact moment because that song was written so long ago, but... Um... I don't know. We just, we, we do that a lot where we, we like to bring you up and then bring you back down <laughs> in our songs. We kind of take you on an emotional roller coaster. And I, I feel like that song uh, definitely needed it. I mean, the title is pressure. So you're kind of building up to something. <laughs> and so it needed a, a, like a heavy moment like that in the bridge. Um, and you know, sometimes simple is best. Uh, repetitive, simple parts are—I mean—that's what hooks you, 
I don't know. <laughs> At least totally for me. agree. Totally agree. I mean, yeah. the, uh, one song I think of is "The Middle" by Jimmy Eat World, which is an incredibly simple song, but it's an absolute banger. And I think what what yeah. really helps is the play between something that's kind of complex and then the release later on potentially of doing something simple. And in terms yeah. of the drums on that album as well, I think that balance is is really well done. There's clearly some busy fills here and there. There's some complex double kick patterns. Um, the song "Welcome to Paradise." The drums in the like at the start are quite. I I took a few listens to be able to consistently hit where the snare goes because it's as if you went into the studio and just like dragged and dropped it into some places and go like, "Fuck it, I'll try and play that." It's quite a complex rhythm, but then yeah. the later on. After the kind of breakdown build-up that Janelle does vocally, it's just kick snare, like on the ones and threes, and I think that has so much power because of the wayward start. Like, is that are you involved on the, those details in the composition of the drums, Sam, as well? It's it's a mix. I mean, a lot of the drum ideas will kind of come in at the beginning from the producers. Uh, you know, when the song is starting to take shape, and then anytime there's an opportunity you know, for me to weigh in, um, then I will. I remember that when that song was first coming together and Kristen, I think, I remember you FaceTimed me or sent me a video. You're like, can you play this? <laughs> like, can you play to this? And I was like, listening. I'm like, okay, let me listen. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's weird. But yeah, like, I can figure that out. Because uh, it's it's in 10. Um, so it's a, a, more of an uncommon time signature. But in, but going back to your original um, point, uh, a lot of people say, especially a lot of drummers, pro drummers, who have like seen it all will say that sometimes it's all in the notes you don't play. And I'm sure other musicians say this as well. And so I think that that's part of what makes that so powerful is what, what can make a drum part more powerful, a simple drum part more powerful is if it is preceded, I would say, by something a bit more syncopated or a little bit more crazy or a little bit more technical or whatever. And then when you, it's like, it's, it's why I like breakdowns in music so much because the breakdown wouldn't be so heavy and like, oh, you know, and that stank face feeling. Yeah, you didn't have something to contrast it with. Exactly. Because if the whole song is breakdowns, I don't like it because to me it doesn't have that contrast and it doesn't give you that like feeling of like, ooh, like heaviness after the technical fast stuff. Yes. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. I think you're going to get a certain percentage of listeners who would want everything to be complex and busy because they appreciate the fine yeah. details of the technicalities and musicianship. But the vast majority of folks are, are looking for the hook and the drummer is the one that kind of really cues them in. This is where we are. This is, and then you can play with that. Um, but yeah, I think that is vastly important. But then also have enough variation there to keep yourself interested. If you're just doing like four to the floor every song, you're going to be snoozing. Yeah, it's, it's tough as a drummer to come to terms with the fact that you need to play for the music. So, for example, if you hear the drums on this album versus the first album, I mean, the first album's a lot heavier in general. It's more of a true metalcore album. But, it, you know, if, if we had drums on this album that were just trying to be metalcore drums in every song, even a song that didn't need that much, you know, technicality, it wouldn't make sense and the songs wouldn't sound as, as good and they wouldn't sound as polished, I think. It would just sound like too much. There'd be like five drummers out there who are like, yeah, sick, this album rules. But like everyone else is like, I can't keep up with this album because this song sounds like more of a straightforward tune, but the drums are going crazy. So um, yeah, just it's, you gotta play for the music. And it goes even yeah. further than uh, that. Sorry, go on, Kristen. No, I was just gonna say, drummers over drum, guitar players over play, <laughs> singers over sing. So it's just finding the balance and being able to, to dial yourself back a little bit. <laughs> Do you find it possible to dial yourself back or is that where other members kind of come to play or like a producer in the, in the you know is how do you get the perspective in the moment um i've gotten a lot better at that because i uh i i used to be more of a shreddy guitar player especially on our first record i was always wanting to put a noodling lead everywhere and i, I kind of learned from our producer you know, especially in a mix, the guitar guitar leads tend to fight sonically with vocals. Mm -hmm. uh, like the EQ range, they, they always are doing this. So um, I kind of learned through the first album to dial it back a little bit and uh, let the vocals be first and foremost because everything else is just wallpaper at the end of the day. Um, so. <laughs> I've not heard that expression used before. I like it. That's good. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense. Like, let the vocalists have their moment. You can have your moment afterwards. And then everyone's paying attention yeah. just to your lead, by the way, and not the vocalist anymore. Oh. So there's balance. Fair. Um, 
In terms of the drums and the simplifying and playing for the music, that even goes further because there's moments on this record where it's digital drums entirely. Um, is, is that a case of, are you involved going like, you know what, I think actually a digital sound will work here, is that kind of a band thing or is it a field producer moment? And then when it comes to live, are you playing to a click so that that comes through or are you going, fuck it, live, we'll do it acoustic? Right. Uh, so uh, and I have a mix of answers for that. Um, when it comes to kind of who's making those decisions, I think it's somewhere between just the band and the producers where it's going to sound good. It's uh, The band has always had some sorts of elements of electronic um, in the songs. There's more of it on this album for sure. Uh, and it's just wherever it makes sense. So maybe it's where rather than have a quiet moment, you've got a little bit of that electronic drums in there because then when the real drums come in, it's going to be so much more powerful um, in terms of how we do it live. Right now, um, there's only a couple of spots where I'm playing the live drums over the electronic track. But in a lot of the songs, I just kind of leave it for now because, and we just, we have, um, we have the track playing um, when we're on stage. Um, I do play to a click live. We all play to click live. Um, but at some point I would love to, emulate some of those parts live on like, um, like you can get the um, SPDSX uh, trigger pad. Yeah, exactly. So at some point I would love to invest in one of those and actually play those parts live. That'd be pretty cool. Or even add like a secondary layer to them. So maybe we keep the original one in the backing track. Maybe I add, you know, sometimes I'll still play a couple little um, cymbal flourishes or whatever. Like in, um, in New Heaven, um, I do keep a beat in the part where everyone sings if i should die before i wake um right. that's not on the album but we do do that live it just sounds a lot bigger and more powerful because um the band realized in rehearsals that it would that part was sounding a little bit a little bit empty live and so i just do like a simple bass like four to the floor bass snare kind of thing there nice makes sense and i imagine that's a big crowd sing-along moment so you want to give them the beat to follow because crowds exactly. love getting out of time. Uh, I mean, quick, sure quick fun side note, I've got two young daughters, my eldest is four, and I, I'm trying to subtly, not push metal on her, but like metal is in, is in the vicinity, and I'd be putting on my playlist and New Heaven comes on, and from the back seat I just hear, this is my favorite song. I'm like, yeah, 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 it's a bang. Um, but also in terms of the mix between the balance of technicality and then simplicity for effectiveness of song, I imagine, especially if a song has a, electronic drum intro live then when the acoustic drums come in it must be like oh yes now the power like that's kind of a great transition yeah. moment i think totally yeah. totally and that's also why i don't want to try and just play all of that stuff live because it just the reason that it's there to begin with is to have that that those dynamics and that difference the contrast between the real drums and the quieter you know technical tick 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 stuff it's nice. a terrible description, but you know. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like it sounds. No, that's great. And I wonder, so, do, are we playing Afterthought live on this tour or no? Because that's a hell of a fucking song to try and play. No, we didn't on the Callboy tour, but we might in the future okay. <laughs> when we do okay. our own headliner. Because <laughs> one of the questions I like to ask drummers is, is there a particular beat or fill or moment where live you kind of tighten up before you're like, oh shit, I really need to nail this? Because I imagine that song is pretty much all of it. Is there a, a song during your most recent tour at a moment you're like, this beat, I kind of get a little bit antsy beforehand because it's either complex or you really want to deliver it because you love it? Oh yeah, yeah. At the end of um, Welcome to Paradise, and I, Chris and I talked about this, there's just like this really Philly part. and. It, and, and I always get a little bit more stressed live. And it's weird because so many drummers tend to rush. I tend to slow down and I don't know why. It's really weird. That is um, wild. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it is. It's like overcompensating for like <laughs> my adrenaline. I better slow down. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of it. Like maybe. my adrenaline is making everything feel slow. But so I'm, I'm, I slow down to compensate. It's really weird. Anyway, I, I, I'm, it's something I'm working on. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's at the it's that really Philly bit um, near the end, right before the right before the outro of Welcome to Paradise. Um, that, yeah, definitely. I would absolutely tense up every time before we play that part. Fair. Very human. It means you Not care. Proud of that. I think that's I think that's what I, no, I no, it means you care about it. You want the performance to be good. Um, and, and Kristen, to you, uh, is there a particular guitar that you're playing live that feels the best to play. I'm wondering if it is something like that one chord you can just hammer out and pressure if you were doing that one live, or is it something that you enjoy the fluidity of the technical uh, performance? I of really it? enjoy playing New Heaven. Actually, it's uh, it's got a nice beat to it. I know Izzy doesn't feel the same way, but uh, 
I, for that one, or yeah, that one is just fun to play live. It, it reminds me almost of a new metal kind of riff, and I just enjoy it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Who who are your guitar influences? Kind of that started you getting into guitar back in the day, and, and who would you say now are the ones you're kind of looking at going? They're they're on top of their game. Gosh, um, probably uh, Kirk Hammett for Metallica. Obviously, I I play uh, Kirk Hammett's signature series um, ESP guitar. I've had it forever. Um, now, gosh, I. To be honest, I I don't really uh, I, I nerd out more over songwriters in general. I'm not super into shreddy guitar players anymore as much as I used to be. Um, I, I nerd out over songwriters, so uh, I really like Andrea Stolpe. Um, she has a class at Berkeley uh, College of Music that I've, I've taken, and I. I don't know. Those are the kind of people I nerd out for. <laughs> Songwriting Fair. as a whole. I kind of changed my uh, my whole perspective from the first album to the second album. Like I said, I used to be more of a shreddy guitar player. Now I'm looking at the song as a whole and uh, writing more from a songwriter perspective. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. but <laughs> It does. For, for my taste in music generally, that's a big win because I... I love song first, and then yeah. when you add the punch of like a great screen vocal or like a breakdown or just some color or some changes in strong structure you're not expecting, that elevates it. Because if you approach from the other end, you end up often with a collection of riffs and fills, and then someone's right. doing some vocal thing over the top, but it's kind of cluttered. It doesn't really connect, right. which is, which is you know, a, a, a better structured song connects first, and then you add the color, I think, with the rest. So you exactly. mentioned a, a kind of composer there, um, which are, are they, they sound like they're a Berkeley class. They're not in the metal world, I imagine. Uh, so she writes for uh, a lot of country artists, actually. Okay. Um, and so she's had a lot of number one hits and yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Fair. I just, uh, I actually, I actually look to a lot of country writers um, when we're writing for Conquer because they're such good storytellers. Mm. Uh, and that's not something you see a lot in metal. Um, and so I try to pull elements from that in, in the storytelling where you, you're, you're putting the listener in a room, you know, you give them a time of day, uh, you describe where you're at. And if you can kind of put the listener in your shoes, uh, they might connect with your song a little bit more than if you're just telling them, um, I'm sad, <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> sad. But, you know, if you can, if you can paint a picture and say, you, you slept in my bed, you left me on red. That's very visual, and a lot of people can relate to that. So, yeah, that's kind of where my my mind is at now. <laughs> sure, I think that's an excellent yeah. point. And I remember seeing online an interview with yourself, Sam. You're talking about the lyrics, and I related to this hard because you were saying, as a drummer, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics. I'm more going like, oh, I'm, hang on, I didn't hear them because I was looking at this tasty sixteenths on the hi hat there. But <laughs> if a song is effectively written lyrically, but also the vocals and the way that they're balanced in it or written melodically. The lyrics can hit you whether you're paying attention or not. And I find that that's happening in, in this record quite a bit. Um, as, as that, that's just really has been your, your experience with that one. And, and when yeah. it comes to lyrics, then I suppose it sounds, Kristen, that you're, you're involved in the lyrical side of it. It's not kind of oh, purely a, a Kia thing, yeah. is that right? Right, yeah. I write a lot of the vocals. Um, and yeah, I, I went to Berkeley and I've, I've read every book I can get my hands on <laughs> to try to improve our, our vocals. And I, I just enjoy it. I love uh, the art of it and I obsess over every little detail. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hopefully in a good, healthy way, you know, cause you know, perfection, yeah. you know, perfectionism is a tough, it's a tough stone to carry. I'd say um, <laughs> certainly when a band is as scattered as you folks, I and mean, I was chatting earlier with, with Sam, but for, for the sake of viewers and listeners, this band is quite geographically widespread which yeah we, we are geographically challenged <laughs> but it's also i imagine logistically tr quite tricky to write songs and work on things across the ocean how do you manage the songwriting in, in one way but then surely the financials of like, rehearsing is is quite an overhead no yeah it's a whole thing um so we've always written online since the inception of the band i'll typically lay down like a demo idea and and, uh, you know, send it to the rest of the band or me and Izzy will get together with songwriters and, um, 
demo something out and then send it to the rest of the girls. Um, and then, yeah, we, we work on it online, send it back and forth. Q will make tweaks to things and, and put her spin on it. And, um, yeah, and then we get together. Everybody flies to Michigan typically, and then we record here. So, nice. yeah. And then as far as practice, um, we, we practice at home a lot, obviously. And then we get together typically a week and a half to two weeks before a tour. And then we just rehearse eight hours a day every day until we leave <laughs> for the tour because that's the only way we can do it, being so spread out and people having to take time off work, and it's a lot. So we just cram as much in as we can in the shortest amount of time. <laughs> that's tough. And I, my thought yeah. immediately goes to the poor calluses on the hands of the guitarists and also yeah. the hands of the drummer. If you're doing several hours a day, probably suddenly kind of out of nowhere. I, you must, do you try and slowly build up your intensity of drumming in advance of the, the rehearsal starting? I, I do, and it's not just because like the rehearsal days are long or anything, it's just because I wanna make sure I'm doing as much as I can before um, joining up with everyone so that you know if there's something I wanna work through or whatever that I've already done it on my own time. But yeah, I definitely, I ramp up my own personal practice schedule in the couple of weeks before meeting up with the group. Nice, fair. That's good. That sounds healthy. Um, and then in terms of yourself as well, I was asking Kristen about influences. Who were your original drumming influences and who now are you looking at saying that they're, they're top of the game? Yeah, um, so I started drumming when I was 11 um, and I wouldn't even really talk about the influences I had kind of at that time. But when I was in high school and I was like really getting into it, playing in bands and stuff, um, my heroes were Mike Portnoy and Chris Adler. So um, Dream Theater and Lamb of God. And then Opeth, um, Martin Lopez specifically. And um, yeah, those were, those were hugely influential for me in my drumming. I just love groove drummers for the most part. Um, now it's funny because I mean, it's so hard for me to decide like who I have my eye on really, because there's so many good drummers out there. And I work for Drumeo, so I see all of these drummers coming through like all the time, like absolutely insane. But I mean, some of the obvious uh, ones for me, it's like Estepario. Um, I really I like mean, watching- He's a machine. <laughs> he is an absolute machine. He's an anomaly, of, he's a freak Ridiculous. of nature, but also he emphasizes how much he practices. He's worked really hard to get here. Yes. You know, so it isn't just, oh, he was born playing this, but no, for sure. you know, him, I, I, I always tell people to check out Craig Reynolds from Straight From The Path because um, I guy. really think he's an excellent drummer and also hilarious online. So anyway, um, it, yeah, there's just so many, oh man, there's just so many people. I, I think that um, uh, Anastasia, I think is her name, or like Anne Drums, um, who's a content creator and she's got a band and uh, I think she's from Russia originally really really good um instagram drummer um but yeah there's just so many people I, I don't even there's like obvious ones too like george colias from nile and like other technical wizards where i'm just like these drummers are next level but yeah i could i could list like a thousand drummers and they'd well, all be at the me, same level for me. Carey. <laughs> what's that i said for me it's danny carey <laughs> I, of course i mean that's yes yeah absolutely yeah. i think he was probably my original that man is on a different planet level of drumming. Yeah. You just kind of go, yeah. what is yes. happening? And he once said, like, I feel like a prisoner of time. It's like, yeah, I can see that. You're constantly <laughs> trying to just fuck with it in a way that's like, really makes sense. It's kind of, it's, it's yeah, phenomenal stuff. I'm actually going to see them in like three days. <laughs> How many times have you seen Tool? Uh, at least 10 times. <laughs> that's hard to do. They don't gig that often. That's impressive. I know. I've seen them Every time they, they no, three times, and that took years, like decades. Yeah. Wow. No, they're, they're immense. Uh, yeah, but first. We fly to see them a lot. Nice. Just because they don't tour that much. Yeah, 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 you'd have to. No, again, I'm, I'm lucky I live in London, so pretty, if that event is big enough and they were touring the late London, so I just snap on those tickets when I can. Um, but yeah, Sam, right. if you work for Drumeo, then yes, you're gonna get overwhelmed with a bunch of incredible drummers, which was yeah. probably quite intimidating. No matter, like, you're gonna see the best of the best all the time and just be like, well, I might as well hang up my sticks. That's how Pretty I much. feel when I'm looking at you know, drummers <laughs> online myself. So. Um, yeah, Craig Reynolds is, is quite a character, and I think that overshadows just how insanely good his drumming is. Like, you'll listen to a beat, and you're like, I think I know what's going on there, and you try it, and you go, I can't play that. It's yeah. like... He's really thought of things beyond just the groove. He's doing syncopation, but power diddles across. Like, it's just, 
next level. Yeah, he's, he's dope. Um, in terms of the band and where, where it is, do you have a kind of joint musical bucket list of like festivals you'd love to play or, or things you're hoping to get to at some point in the future? Or is it very much a, we love being in the moment, we'll see where things go kind of a thing? Yeah, I want to play Vakken, Hellfest, Bloodstock, Download. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if it's full of mud and rain. I want to play it. You just want to cross an ocean, damn it. That's what I Sure. Well, download would be great. That's I'm actually wearing a download, download hoodie. I that's my yearly pilgrimage. That's where mm -hmm. I discover most of the, the the new bands I enjoy. So that's a great shout. And um, what is the most difficult song on this album to have written and put together, Kristen? Is there one that was particularly like a hard puzzle to solve that stands out? Um, probably "Welcome to Paradise." Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty complex song. Um, we obviously I'm a big tool fan, so we wanted to try some, you know, mess around with time signatures. So we just kind of picked a time signature at random. And, it, you know, the original title <laughs> of the song was actually fuck around and find out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we, we started, we're like, all right, we're going to go with 10, four and just see what happens. And, uh, yeah. That's so awesome. that one was kind of a puzzle to put together because it, it's so different, but, uh, it yeah. ended up, for me being, you know, one of my favorites on the record. So it was, it was worth it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. When I, when I first heard that song and it started out, I was like, Oh, wait, 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 this is, they're serious. This is something else. This is not like, you know, a, a familiar song structure thing. It was, it was really uh, entertaining to follow. But by the end of it, I was like, I don't know that I exactly know what just happened during that. It's, but the more you hear it, the more it kind of the clouds fade yeah. away. Like, ah, and it kind of grows into, into something great. No, nice. It's fine. Great song. Uh, do you have any guilty musical, uh, guilty pleasures music-wise that you, you enjoy that you think, like, no one's going to... Like, mine is Ariana Grande, which, and I, I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. I think she's got some bangers. Oh, yeah, she's sounds. got bangers. Um, I don't know. I, I, I listen to a lot of pop. I, none of it, I feel, I don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> Good answer. Um, I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of chill stuff, to be honest. I, I really don't listen to a lot of rock and metal anymore. Um, I, I pull inspiration from different genres, really. Um, and and I'll, I'll hear some cool chord progression over in the EDM world, and I'm like, oh, man, that would be sick as a rock song. <laughs> so, yeah, to be honest, uh, yeah, I guess that's my guilty pleasure. I, I don't really listen to a lot of rock and metal. Is that a conscious decision to listen? Is you just find yourself listening to less metal, or is that to to not get influenced and do whatever their bands are doing at the it's same both. time? Yeah, okay. it's definitely both because I I don't want us to sound like everybody else, and that's very easy to do when that's all you're listening to. But also, I think just because I've heard so much of it over the years, I'm like, oh, I need my ears need something else. They need a break. <laughs> Because um, all you know, on, on top of this, my husband is also a music producer, and we've had bands coming in and out of the house, and so it's just constant metalcore <laughs> injection into my ears. <laughs> so fair, but I think it helps the songwriting process um, having those different influences. That makes sense. Yes, you need a palate cleanser at times. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've. Yeah, I couldn't listen to metalcore all the time. I think you need, you need you know, some some breaks. Uh, here and there. Yeah. Dirty Loops is one of mine. It's a total palate cleanser. I don't know, do you know Dirty Loops at all? Oh, I love Dirty Loops. Oh my God, they're amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, Sam, check out Dirty Loops. Their drummer has I'll, got I'll the most you. delicious snare rolls and feel I have ever heard. They're great. Oh, oh, that was another drummer I should have mentioned. Uh, totally unrelated. Sleep Token. <laughs> two oh, yes. from Sleep Token. Two, we worship at the hands of two. There's no question yes. about that. He's yes, we phenomenal. do. But that's not a guilty pleasure. That's just a pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the world can agree on that. And increasingly, he, he has been incredibly busy on the drums. But over time, he's, find, he's choosing what notes not to hit. And it's, I think that's really helped them elevate to where they are now as well. But yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. Um, very good. Yeah, my, my only, um, well, it's, I don't feel guilty about it. But you know how everybody hates All I Want for Christmas, by you, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey? I want to defrost her early. <laughs> Early, we should defrost Mariah now, and we can start listening to that song over and over on repeat for the next two months. As I love that song, and everyone hates it, and I think it's hilarious that really? everyone hates it. I love that song. As I think that's her best song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. 
I, it's a certified but I have no banger. guilt. No, no, it no. is a certified that, banger. That's a certified banger. I wonder, is, maybe it's an American thing to hate on that, because our equivalent of that in the UK is Wham's Last Christmas. When oh, that, yeah. Like, there's a game called Whamageddon, where if you, if you hear that song played in a shop or store somewhere, you've lost. So everyone's trying to avoid it, because it's absolutely everywhere for Christmas. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're, uh, we're a big Christmas household here. My, my wife would put up a tree tomorrow if she could. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> just... But you won't let her. Well, not out of cruelty, but like, let's have Halloween. <laughs> let's have maybe a bit of a Thanksgiving thing. Um, but no, totally on board. And I also wanted to chat about briefly. You've got some really strong social media game in your band. If if, if the listeners or watchers have not checked that out, go check out your shorts and your reels. Uh, <laughs> two of my favorites are one. It was a joke about when the singer hears that it's load-in time and then Kia just <laughs> disappears into the ball pit. I can relate to that so hard. Like the drums, they're so cumbersome. You load them all in and the singer rocks up like, who's got my mic? Where are we? <laughs> is that pure lulls or is, or is Kia a little bit like, ah, yeah, I'll be there on time. No, it's lulls. It's definitely okay. lulls. Like yeah. Kia is very helpful and, and Kia manages a lot of like the merch as well. And so when it comes to like handling all that, set up, take down and loading all that stuff in, like... Yeah, and, and same with Janelle. Um, yeah, everyone really pitches in with the gear. Nice. My other favorite video was uh, Kia walks up to the mic and turns around and then just grabs two <laughs> cheeks and out pops your face. It's not like we've been meaning to contact you by this thing. The infamous That's one of our favorites. It's so brilliant. There's camera trickery in that. Like it's brilliantly done. But I, are you are you spending time on TikTok getting inspiration for things, or is this just coming out of the madness of your own mind? It's a little of both. Uh, sometimes yeah. it'll be inspired by something else we saw, and we'll maybe recreate it in our own way. Or it'll be like, oh my god, I've got this stupid idea. We should try this. So it's a little of both. But we're, most of us spend a lot of time like perpetually online. So we see a lot of other doom scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's downtime on tour. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. I enjoyed it as well. There was one, I think, where Kristen ended kind of with the wine going down. Yeah, I, I, my wife pr pr surprised, provided me with this because she's like, this will help keep you awake because it's late here. I'm like, isn't this a depressant? But I would be like Kristen going, this is not, no, this is dirt. I don't want, I need a nice, yeah. Yeah. like there's levels this to is this. Dirt. Come on. <laughs> no, nice. So, I mean, but that side of things is that how much of that is a conscious effort to, all right, let's try and put ourselves out there, keep ourselves top of mind. And how much is it, is it just a thing you naturally do as you're on tour and having fun? I think it's a little bit of both, for sure. Sometimes yeah. we'll do something stupid just out and about, and we're like, oh, my God, that would make a great TikTok. We should recreate that moment or something. But And, you know, sometimes we, we do intentionally come up with ideas and record them. But, yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, one, one, of, uh, one of our most popular TikToks, is just behind the scenes during our Welcome to Paradise music video shoot where we're just singing Spongebob and it has over a million views. Why? You I don't know. know you never know what's going to hit. <laughs> we did not plan to do that. It's just people being ADD and just we were bored and we're waiting for the next shot and then people started singing and dancing and luckily we have a guy that was filming behind the scenes content so he was just rolling already. Uh, but we had a couple comments who were like, oh, the stupid stuff that people will do for TikTok and we're like, we did not do this for the views. This is literally just self-entertainment and then we decided to post it and you guys liked it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we're just like, we do not plan it sometimes, and it just is us being stupid because, like, our whole vibe, like, we we just launched a Patreon, for example, and, like, it's basically us posting this really stupid stuff that, like, either we aren't, are never going to post publicly or we're just like, I don't know if, like, the average person is going to get this, but, like, someone who already likes our band might think it's funny. Um, but it's just, like, as a band, like, we just all get really unhinged together. I would say... If, so, if the general person does not understand that video, we're in real trouble. I think it's very <laughs> obvious. The, the blurring of the, like, obviously we know what this is, and it's perfectly fine. It's not necessary. Um, I thought it was really well done. I, I don't know if maybe, because we'll wrap up here, because we've, you know, you've been very generous with your time. Um, in terms of the, the band, and you, you just started this Patreon. Um, I'll add a link in the description so people can go and check that out. Um, I'm surprised that this is only now happening. I kind of assume these days all bands have some form of Patreon thing. What's been the impetus to start that um, at this at this stage? 
Um, one thing I, I think a lot of people need to realize before they start like a Patreon or some sort of like community or fan club or whatever you call it, um, is that you really have to, you have to build that community first. You can't use that as a platform to start your fan base. Um, so, because, you know, you're basically asking people to pay a couple bucks a month to get access to you and more of your time as a band and more of your content and sneak peeks and things like that. And it's going to be really hard if you try and launch it too early. And I think that that was one big reason that this band wanted to wait a little bit longer before we tried something like that. I mean, A, we were super busy with a ton of other things that we needed to work on, but... But B, we felt like, especially after the Electric Callboy tour, and, you know, we had people asking us about doing things like this and, you know, where else can I hang out with other fans of the band? And, we're, you know, we really want to work. We, we want to do a better job of, of really building a, the community and giving back to the community. So that's why we felt like now would be a good time. And, you know, we're back from tour. We've got, you know, we don't have any shows or anything um, for the rest of the year. So we thought this is a good time to... Um, Launch it, try it out, see how it goes. Nice. Very good. That's a very, very a logical, considered uh, point in the career. I, know, I like that. Very, very considered. Uh, not unlike your album Slow Burn, which I think was a very well considered and put together collection of songs as a whole, but also each individual song has had some great moments in it. So I highly recommend everyone go and check that out. Um, and we're going to wrap some things up here. Before we do, what is next for yourself? So we kind of hinted at it. You're going to spend some time not, I guess, touring the rest. Is the idea to, well, you're going to work on your Patreon side of things. Are you starting to work on songs for another album? Are you going to do EP singles? Do you have any idea? Are you just chilling after the tour and taking some rest? Um, so we're always working on new music. Actually, I'm going to be co-writing um, with a couple of people this month uh, towards the third album. Just got to start chipping away at it because it, you know, <laughs> takes us a while to write songs, clearly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we, we want to try and tour more um on slow burn next year hopefully get over to europe we'll see what happens we're we're working with our uk uh europe agent right now to try to land something over there next year we'll see what, again we'll see what happens we don't know no promises but of course and then we'll definitely be touring the u.s more uh next year so yeah that's kind of the tentative plan <laughs> Well, it sounds good. You know, if there's if there's music of the future, then that sounds good to me. Uh, looking forward yeah. to that. Well, thank you again very much for your time for this chat today. I really appreciate it. It's been fascinating to hear some more about uh, the album itself and the band and how it's going. Um, I wish the band and yourselves all the best of luck. I can't wait to see what thank the next you. phase of music is, and hopefully see you in Europe at some point as well. So, thanks, folks. Thanks Well, what a treat that was to have time with Conquer Divides, Sam and Kristen, talking about all those things we covered in that conversation. Hope you enjoyed that too. Let me know in the comments what you enjoyed in particular. Do check out the links in the description. I've added their Patreon URL in there. And also I have a Discord server that you can join if you want to talk to me directly about the podcast and maybe recommend some bands that you think I should get in touch with for future episodes. Thank you very much for watching or listening, and hopefully I'll see you in the next episode.